Sometimes we have great plans for how we're going to serve the Lord. But when our plans don't work out, it can feel like everything is falling apart. Brother Silas launched a ministry in Turkmenistan with grand hopes for reaching his people for Christ. So when he was expelled from the country, he was very discouraged. I remember sitting in the, one of the houses that we were hiding in neighboring country. I was crying out and praying to the Lord, why this happened? Why are you taking us away? I love my people. I, I want to see them, you know, really experiencing joy of the salvation and your peace in Christ Jesus. And God was saying, there's a time, you know, season of life at times, and just trust me, you know, I will open the doors that you can't even imagine. Jesus never promised his followers an easy path. In fact, he told his disciples that the world would hate them. He sent them out as sheep among wolves. Jesus' words came true in the life of the apostles, and they're still coming true today in the lives of his followers around the world. Join host Todd Nettleton as we hear their inspiring stories and learn how we can help right now on The Voice of the Martyrs Radio Network. Welcome again to The Voice of the Martyrs Radio. My name is Todd Nettleton. Last week, we heard part one of our conversation with Brother Silas. We're not using his full name in order to protect his security. He is the first guest that we've ever had on VOM Radio from Turkmenistan, one of the former Soviet republics in Central Asia. If you missed last week's program, I want to really encourage you, go and listen at vomradio.net or find Voice of the Martyrs Radio wherever you listen to podcasts. When Brother Silas was growing up, Turkmenistan was a part of the Soviet Union, so he learned about communism and atheism. But the culture was greatly influenced by Islam. He described himself as an atheist in his head, but a Muslim in his heart. After the Soviet Union collapsed, Brother Silas had a divine opportunity to see the Jesus film in his own language. And that was a key thing that he talked about last week. The truth of the gospel and the amazing understanding that the Savior spoke the language of his heart gripped Silas in a powerful way, and he came to faith in Christ. When we left off the story last week, Brother Silas had just left his job as a lawyer to become a full-time gospel worker. Turkmenistan's government claims to offer religious freedom, but in practice, Brother Silas was experiencing greater and greater levels of persecution. Silas remembers the first time he was put in prison. Uh, the first one, they, when they arrested me, they just put me in, into, into cell with other people where I had opportunity to preach the gospel to <laughs> other, other you know, people in the cell. The last time when they arrested me, they didn't do interrogations. Usually, you know, when they arrest me, they interrogate me or they, like, you know, ask questions. And, and initially, like, you're a trained lawyer. So, so do you kind of feel like, oh, I can handle this. I, I can answer their questions. Right. I'm a lawyer. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, this yeah. is what I do. Yes. So at what point did you start to feel, like, frightened or, like, you know, this is not going well? When they printed the article about me on, on the central newspaper, I actually went to uh, and investigated, found, the, actually, the author of that article, and I confronted him. I said, why you wrote these things about me without knowing me, interviewing me, knowing my life, anything? And then he was like, oh, it's not me. It's, it was ordered by... Secret Services, 
I was naive or I believed in rule of law or something like that. My law side again went to actually lawyer. I, I asked him to take a case to the court. This this newspaper saying like they they did wrong uh, libel yeah. yeah yeah and my lawyer she said you know where the order came from and don't mess with them their practice is she said they may create a car crash or you crossing the street and some car will hit your children or yourself it and it be- wasn't persecution it was just a car accident yeah. she knew about that mm-hmm. and she warned and I I was like. Really? Would they do that? You know, it's, we're not under Russia anymore or communist regime. We're like independent people. These are my brothers, Turkmen brothers, that, you know, my people, they won't do that. But later, when we didn't obey their demands, we were traveling in my car with my two children. My wife was pregnant, five months old pregnancy, and we were traveling from capital city to going to my village which is like 500 kilometers, you, you drove through the, usually a drive through the wilderness. And and a semi-truck approached and tried to hit my car. My car like ended up rolling over the off the road wow. into the load, steep. Embankment. Yeah, and upside down, my son was injured. He has, you know, cut in his head and blood was rushing out. And my, my wife was like in pain. You know, I was trying to help them and we tried to stop the the blood, you know, um, injury and in his head. The police came with the KGB rather than bringing the ambulance and helping us, you know. They arrest me, takes me away from like two-hour drive to the nearest station. While, while your injured while my, family yes, is injured, still in yeah, the car. In the car. They were not happy. When they saw us, they were not happy because they, you survived? they came and checked on us whether were we alive or not, you know. Wow. But when they found us that we were alive, they, they took me away for two hours, almost three hours, and then, you know, my wife and in, in pain and everything. But we ended up like coming to the capital city. Uh, ended up, my wife ended up in the hospital, and we lost a baby. Almost lost my wife, but God spared you know rest of our lives. And but then, right after a few days after they they came again, and they arrested me and two two other leaders. And in that time, the first time became very physical. And the moment they brought me into the room, they you know bunch of people just jumped on me and started like beating me, choking, you know, and then it's, it, it continued, you know, several days of torture with electric shock. You know, I never thought that, you know, those torture methods existed. All of a sudden they bring, you know, all the torture tools and yeah, it was, it was very scary and hard and painful. They deprive you the sleep every methodology that they developed to, you know, inflict the pain uh, emotionally and, and physical pain, and at the same time, like, threatening that they're going to do that same things to your wife. And, and, and yeah, it's, it's unbelievable. How, how did you get through it? How did you hold on to your faith, hold on to your sanity? How— uh, it was it was very I can say it like it was a, one of the darkest uh, moments of my my life. Uh, I thought that this is gonna be end. 
and the, you know, I didn't know that what what is going to happen. Uh, they were threatening like they're going to kill us. They said like they're going to take us to the border. Like they said, we can kill you very easily. And I said, it's better to, you kill me than like you torturing. You know, at times I I prayed to God like, would you please take take my life out and take take me to yourself. Right. Rather I, than I can't handle any more. Yes, of this. I can't bear this pain anymore. Would you Would you help me? Was there ever a uh, the why question, God? Why? Why yes. are you letting this oh, yeah. happen? Oh yeah, why question? And that moment is like every level of attack. You know, you you have, you are in like very strong spiritual attack. Like uh, you can feel the the powers of darkness, like really overcoming and and attacking you uh, spiritually. You know, putting a lot of doubts. One of them is like, if God loves you, why, you know, he inflicting pain. How can he let this yeah, happen to he's you? Not, he's not, you know, good God that you trusted him. You're a good guy, but look at you, you know. And then another thing is like bringing shame. Oh, you're afraid now. You feared for your life. God is not impressed, you know. Like, I think going through that painful experience and being in that moment of like weakness and and relying, and your only hope is God. And before, like, I remember I operated, I think, in many ways. Like, I was young. I was, like, in fire. I was, like, operating in a sense, like, from my own own power. Mm -hmm. But through this experience, God showed me the power is not in me. The power is in him. And and and the passages that... Uh, that like uh, you know Paul says that I'm I I'm not gonna boast on my strength or the every you know accomplishments, but I'm I'm like I'm gonna boast in my in my weakness because in my weakness the power of God is revealed and showed you know and it was I think the same way God used that to show the power belongs to Him the work of the salvation and transformation and building His church belongs to Him. Like, uh, again, another thing is that really com was comforting to me was understanding Christ's suffering was comforting to me. And Jesus, you know, those episodes of the Bible where Jesus comes in the, the Garden of Gethsemane, you know, praying, the Father, would you, would you, you know, make this cup go? And in and his suffering, you know, he you can... Uh, knowing your God, your Savior, understands your pain mm -hmm. because he went through more crucial, more excruciating pain and death himself. Uh, it was a comforting moment and comforting thing for me to be able to hold on to him uh, and, and, uh, and not, not get, you know, crazy or you know, or give up, right. you know, in, in, in my faith and walk with him. And God was saying, I understand your weakness. I, know, I understand your uh, asking those questions. Um, just just trust me. And I, I understand, you know, because I walked beforehand. And, and then, like, uh, fix your eyes unto Jesus because he endured the cross, you know, said before him. And... Because he's the author and the perfecter of finisher, faith, yeah. finisher of your faith, you know. So how long did that go on? That that period of of really torture. Yeah, for a few days they were doing the 
you know, actual torture and uh, deprivation and, you know, interrogations and different things. But then all of a sudden their, their attitude changed because they, as I said earlier, that uh, some international community heard about the situation, what they were doing to us, and especially the, you know, U.S. ambassador at that time. On behalf of the Christians, he called authorities and said that this is not right what you guys doing and we we you know ask you to treat them normal and you know release them that actually helped uh, us not being in prison lo- for long term or maybe interrupt their plans to get rid of us for somehow and they they decided to release release uh, me and other leaders but their purpose was like go and uh, confiscate our prop you know houses or apartments that we we're staying and then kick us out and move us far away from the capital city, but their plan was re-arrest us in, right. in our hometown. Where nobody would notice. Yes, and, and then deal there. Like maybe, uh, actually, like it was interesting that the moment they released and confiscated our house, we went into hiding, but they came searching for us in the capital city and also in the hometown. They came to my parents' house and friends, and they were interrogating them and asking where we were, and that's how it, it went from wow. there. We're talking today on Voice of the Martyrs Radio with Brother Silas. He is from the nation of Turkmenistan. Did your wife have a similar experience as far as going through that, that that God just kind of sustained her to be able to endure? Or how was her experience different from yours? They, um, you know, yeah, that's pain of losing our baby and almost losing her own life. She was a near-death experience. She was like uh, losing a lot of blood while she was waiting for the doctors to respond and help her. They they reject her to help, you know, but then in the end they they decided to help her and God intervened um, Mm -hmm. definitely. That was very tough for her. Physically didn't, didn't touch her, but after they arrested us, they came to the apartment where she was staying with other ladies, and they were harassing her emotionally, threatening, trying to sexually harass her, um, you know, scaring kids. I mean, that's, in our culture, it's like a very unacceptable behavior. It's a very shameful Very thing. shameful yeah. to do that kind of stuff. Even Muslim people, you know, don't, don't, don't accept that kind of behavior. But unfortunately, they, some of the agents of KGB were, were behaving like very bad and against her and but at the same time, there was a one, uh, she says, like, there was a one KGB guy who was very decent, and he, he tried to protect her and from the other, the bad guys, you know, who, who tried to sexual harass and emotionally, you know, attack her. And uh, you had an experience like that, too, where one of the people was different or responded yeah, actually differently. actually, the same guy. Same who, guy. Who protected my, my wife from the other guys. And he, he was a head of the... All the all the torture group and all the responsible, all the arrests and everything. And um, but in the end of the torture time, and when they decided to release leave me, he came to me, you know, secretly and said, "Would you forgive me?" Wow. And he said, "Would you f- pray for my family?" And he said, "I couldn't listen to the cry of my heart and treat you, you know, stop treating you that way." Because I was afraid that they will put me in the same, you know, same position if I protect you and not not obey their orders. 
you know, he, he was a nice guy. I mean, something happened. Did, was it hard for you to forgive, though? I mean, this is the guy who's just overseen yeah. your torture. Mm. Was there any part of you that was like, no, I'm not going to forgive you because I just got tortured? You know, God worked in my spirit, in my heart. I think I, I forgave him that, that moment. And because I, I saw genuine uh, repentance or, you know, uh, remorse after he released, uh, asking for forgiveness. Um, as I said, you know, he, he tried to protect us now from the other guys, you know, and, and the, the order was given to him. His responsibility was like confiscate all the all the apartments wherever we stayed and kicked us kick us out from from our apartments, and he was responsible for that. And and one of our church leaders that that ended up in same same uh, situation, they came actually to his house. This this uh, KGB head of that, he came early morning because he didn't sleep you know whole day. They were busy doing different things, and and now he was on charge of like get him out from the house and seal it and you know claim it for themselves and without order without court order right. without any legal uh framework you know that's they're just what do you call it they can Thugs. do whatever they want yep. yeah yeah a couple of days ago a few days ago he tortured this brother and now he knocks the door and then he opens and then he says I came here, you know, in a in a few hours, the rest of the team will come and you guys get out. You know, we, we kick you out. But can I take a nap on your porch here because I'm so tired? The head of the KGB who tortured <laughs> all of us begs, ask, ask begs for a nap. ask for a nap and rest place. And he finds a rest in the in the house of the one that he tortured. And he says, yeah, of course. And, and the brother who was tortured by him now puts a mat and everything, nice uh, cover and everything, and lets this, this KGB department leader wow. rest for several hours until the rest of the team comes. And he wasn't afraid that, you know, usually right, you would. The, <laughs> if, if they tortured some like uh, maybe, you know, I don't know, Islamists or somebody else, they, they could have like retaliate right. and take this opportunity to beat him up or kill him, you know, maybe even because you have this anger because you unjustly tortured, you know, so much inflicted pain and everything. But this brother serves him and then he comes and trusts his life and takes the so rest. So he obviously knew that you guys were different. Yeah. You're something totally something different. Happened. It's, uh, yeah, it's, I mean, I hope and I pray for his soul. That that you know that he found that, the truth. That he found the truth, and many many others, in, even even among those who um, you know serve that system, and yeah, yeah. We're talking today on Voice of the Martyrs Radio with Brother Silas. He is from the nation of Turkmenistan. Brother Silas, I don't know how much you want to say about your ministry today, but what what can you tell us about your ministry today? Because you're still reaching back into yes. Turkmenistan all these years later. God's ways is amazing. You know, the moment that we—I thought that when when all these things happened and we ended up fleeing the country, I remember sitting in the, one of the houses that we were hiding in neighboring country. I was crying out and praying to the Lord, why this happened? Why are you taking us away? I love my people. I, I want to see them, you know, really experiencing joy of the salvation and your peace 
in Christ Jesus. And God was saying, you know, there's a time, you know, season of life at times, and just trust me, you know, I will open the doors that you can't even imagine. And I couldn't imagine that, you know, how God can use me, you know, out being outside. And, and he had a plan, definitely. Like, uh, while, like, an enemy, you know, tried to destroy our lives and family and destroy our ministry and everything, uh, they strangled me. I couldn't talk like a two months. They be, you know, barely could speak because they, when they choked me, I couldn't. Wow. They destroyed my like a vocal cord or something. God restored that. And after two months, we ended up in Russia. And then God opened the window of opportunity to preach the gospel through radio broadcasting, uh, through Transport Radio. And we started first Turkmen Christian Radio. Uh, broadcasting into Turkmenistan, not only there, Iran, Tur- Afghanistan, and and that was a even like emotionally, you know, trauma, pain, uh, physical pain, and all things, separation. You know, you're still going over that. I was able to rejoice for the opportunity of sharing the gospel, the good news again with my people through that uh, broadcasting, and now more people were able to to listen. And, and I think the, the reminder of the verse in the Bible, it says, uh, even though we are bound, Paul says, the gospel, the word of God is not bound. That's true. You know, everything that God says in his word, his promises, his word is true, and nothing can stop the gospel to reach the nations. And that's, that was a beginning of the God showing the opportunities for us to, to minister Many years, you know, after we came to Norway and then U.S. Uh, USA, we continued the radio broadcasting uh, from here uh, many years. And then also, like, I created a as, – as a technology, and Internet was growing. Uh, actually, I created first Turkmen Christian website. All the, these years earlier, you had seen the Jesus film, and Jesus mm-hmm. is speaking your yes. language. He yeah. is speaking Turkmen. Mm-hmm. Then you're able to radio broadcast the gospel in yes. Turkmen. And now the internet in internet, Turkmen. Yes. Wow. And we try to also present the gospel through those fish, Facebook and different social media platforms. And, and also God opened the door also through the TV broadcasting. Actually, the, a lot of people were buying satellite dishes in Turkmenistan and surrounding countries, you know, and watching TV. And, and then we, you know, started praying, Lord, should we do this? And and God opened the door for us. And now we have a daily uh, Turkmen uh, video programs uh, on the two satellite networks that are broadcasting into into that region uh, in Middle East, Turkey, all the way to northwest China, Iran, Afghanistan. And you know later we built a studio. We have a recording studio, video programs. I prepare the programs, uh, Bible message, gospel gospel programs, and broadcast them. Besides that, you know, we also engaged, uh, you know, in training, mentoring uh, pastors and leaders and, and serving them uh, alongside of their, their ministries. So how many Turkmen are there in some of the surrounding? Like you mentioned Afghanistan, you mentioned Iran. Is that kind of where the biggest concentration is yeah. or are they spread even wider than that? Yeah, biggest concentration of uh, like a Turkmen that are more – Culturally, language-wise, uh, close to each other, uh, are more than around 10, 10, more than ten million, uh, five million, or they say six million officially in in Turkmenistan, close to three million in Iran, and two and a half million in Afghanistan. Mm. 
Okay. Beyond that, they you know several hundred thousand in s- surrounding Central Asian countries, some some in Russia, but then separated group. The language was uh, they're they're more closer to Turkish, but the the, the identity ethnic identity are Turkmen. They're called Levantine Turkmen or Middle Eastern Turkmen. Uh, there are more than two million Turkmen in Iraq, you know, another million or so in in Syria, Jordan. Egypt, in that area, is a Middle Eastern Turkmen. So they're spread all over. Yeah. Wow. And altogether, maybe 15 million. We're talking today on Voice of the Martyrs Radio with Brother Silas. He is from the nation of Turkmenistan. A couple more questions, maybe just two. One, for our listeners who know Muslims, they work with a Muslim, they go to school with a Muslim, they want to talk to them about Jesus, but they're intimidated. You know, I don't know enough. I don't know the Quran. I don't know how to convince them. Give us some advice. Yeah, I mean, uh, Muslim people, our people, mo- most of the time, uh, they're very like a Turkmen people. I can say they're very friendly. Oh, they, the hospitality, yeah, hospitality in that part of the world is amazing. is amazing. They love friendship and you know, relation, very relational, and that's why they they appreciate. I mean, if you approach them, if you build a relationship with them. Uh, or friendship with them, they they appreciate that, and really expressing your love and care, and that's that's you know important thing, and important characters of Christ and the Christians should be that way. And uh, another thing is that they're very open. Usually, uh, Muslim people are open for spiritual conversations. You know, you can learn about their their faith, their culture. And through that, uh, find a ways. And you can share also your own testimony, you know, why we believe in Christ. I think the important thing is that introduce Jesus, you know, tell the stories about Jesus. And, you know, a lot of times, yeah, that, you know, maybe Muslim people and other people from other cultures are intimidated or they don't like the Christianity. And there are a lot of misunderstandings, definitely, you know, um, from, I think, all, all the sides. You know, right. Sometimes we misunderstand them and then they misunderstand us. That's why I think clearing those. But but bringing pure gospel, life of Christ and his teaching, his words. Another thing is that uh, always good to present the gospel in the language of, uh, you know, the Muslim, uh, fellow Muslim. You know, like Muslim people represent so many nations, you know, that's why it's very important, like, uh, to find out the heart language because the power of the gospel uh, in the language, heart language, is amazing. And that's why, like, I, I recommend Jesus' film, you know, show that uh, if it's possible in their language. I'll recommend that. Uh, it's going to be powerful, I think, I believe. And as you said in your own story, when you saw yep. Jesus speak yep. in Turkmen, yep. it, it changed everything. So. Yep. Last question. We always like to equip our listeners to pray. The government of Turkmenistan, there's a different leader now, but the the pressure against the church is similar. How can we pray for Turkmenistan, for kind of the country as a whole, but then especially for our Christian brothers and sisters there? Yeah, I pray that uh, that God will, you know, work in the hearts of those who who rule the country, you know, definitely for the president, rulers, and, uh, you know, in Bible says to pray for those kings and rulers of your country, and we, as a Turkmen, we we pray, and I I would like to also let if if some you know authorities listen to this radio somehow somewhere, uh, I would like to let them know that we 
as a Christian, Turkmen Christians in Turkmenistan and other parts of the world, we pray for our people, for, for our leaders, for our president and their families and all the rulers there, that they will, they will rule with the justice and, and truth. Uh, you know, they will, they will do the good things for, for their people uh, generally and also to, to the Christians. They're not their enemies. They love their country. They love their people. They, they love their God, and they want to worship and, and have a, a righteous life that will benefit their society, I mean, our society and communities, definitely. They're, they're there to serve, serve their people, mm-hmm. and I would like to impress that, uh, to, uh, to say that, first of all, and then secondly, pray that God will work in their hearts, uh, that they will rule their country, you know, with justice and, and goodness, which, which God appointed them for that for that purpose and if they don't obey if they don't listen there will be a judgment day god will ask them for an answer definitely and and hopefully there will be a change change in in the country more openness I definitely pray that uh, there's a the president like a, pre, a second president now he's giving the power to his son there will be election day on the march 12th there's no other chance that Somebody else will be there, but he's he's gonna be his son is gonna be there as a as a president, but hopefully you know he will he will rule with a more open handed more more freedom for for people in in in every area, and also pray for uh, churches there. Uh, it's been very hard for them, you know, living under the uh, this regime, uh, not not experiencing a lot of freedom, economic issues. You know, they've been like with the COVID is also like they've been in two years lockdown. Internal and out international. Wow! You couldn't travel outside. You couldn't travel within the country. You know, to different states or regions, and that that impacted everyone. a lot of a lot of everyone. Yeah. Pray that they will find strength. That God will give them strength and wisdom, and for the leaders and pastors, and all, all, that they can shine the light for their neighborhoods and share the light of the Christ. And the gospel to the rest of the community, and pray for revival. I mean, we we pray for that that God will touch many, many, many thousands of millions of hearts in that part of the world, and then that they will experience the love of Christ and joy of salvation and the peace of Christ in their lives. Amen, brother Silas. We don't do this very often, but would you especially pray for the leaders of Turkmenistan and and pray in Turkmen? Big Hudaim Tangashkur Tang Alkuswalton Tangaminetar thing for Yung Chin, Thing Ajaip Gutulsung Chin, Thing Merhemetung Chin Hudaim, Hoshawarangin. Rebim Shuat Bething Ungelias Rebim between Turkmen Halkamuduchin, Turkmen Yurdumuduchin, Turkmen San Muduchin Hudaim, Turkmen Halkamud Durlierle Diash and Turkmen Halkamuduchin Hudaim. Tangrim Olora Pataver Hudaim, Olora Ud Merhemetane, Rehim Shepatane Hudaim, Thuying Haki Katane. Along Kalwana, Yurona Guhuta and Tangrim. Atam Rebem Delegadian Hutaim, Shua Turkmenstan, a President Tuchin, on Marshal Suchin, on Chara Laruchin Hutaim, between Turkmenstan, Nahe, Hakim Yudchin Delegadias, along Kalwana, Earth Haki Katane, Guhutaim, Olar Earth Halkane, Haki Katangulan, Adala Tangulan Hutaim, Unga Alparmana Yardamet Tuim, Tangrim Olorada Hutaim, Tenning. Hoshawarna, then Merhemetana, then Isa Messi Tak Gutulusuna, 
düşünməyə xudayım yardım et. Onların ruhu gözlərini İsa Məsihdəki söyüyünə, mərhəmətinə düşünməyə xudayım. Gözlərini, ruhu gözlərini aç xudayım. Onların sən söyüyünə, qutuluşun şahatlığını, sən bərcək parahatçılığını, sənin bərcək günəhlərdən qutuluşunu və baqiyə aşayışını xudayım. Öz durmuşlarına təcrib edib, qəbul edib, dadıq görsünlər, yaşab bilsinlər xudayım. Atam Rəbbim, bütün Türkmən halkına əxliyərdə yaşayan illəşlənmədə xudayım, qutuluşunu xudayım getir, mərxəmətini seç və bərəkədini seç xudayım. Tanrıyım, sana şükürlər olsun, alqış olsun, bey xudayımız, sana dülək ediyəsi, İsa'nın adı ilə. Amin. Amin. Brother Silas, thank you for your testimony, thank you for your faithfulness and for sharing us this week on Voice of the Martyrs Radio. Thank you. You've been listening to the Voice of the Martyrs Radio. As always, if you are just joining us, if you're hearing this in the broadcast and you'd like to hear the whole conversation, you can go to vomradio.net. You can hear it there. You can also search for VOM Radio wherever you listen to podcasts. I know you're going to want to hear this entire conversation with Brother Silas. Uh, So again, vomradio.net. Next week here on VOM Radio, we're going to meet Carter Gates. He is the leader who oversees all of VOM's international work in the Asia-Pacific region. We will talk about recent developments in China, especially something you may not have heard about how foreign gospel workers have been affected by the current crackdown in China. We'll also talk about Carter's opportunity to visit North Korea. That's all next week right here on the Voice of the Martyrs Radio Network.